We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I don't need no fraud. I don't need no drama when you call. told me what happened, so I took it upon myself to make you a hot beverage. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Yeah, I know. Turns out being sweet isn't enough to keep a girl these days. You know, it's bad enough what happened, but then he tried to hide the fact that he sees her all the time at the university. He does? Who is it? <sighs> Some girl named Mandy. Mandy Chow? Yeah. Oh, you don't need to worry about her. She's brilliant and attractive. She can do way better than Leonard. That's great. <clears throat> Wait a minute. I know this may sound far-fetched, but I'm on the market now. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman, 
Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner promo code T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors, as always. I didn't tell Andreas something coming on to this show. And I wanted to keep it, like, you know, between me and y'all and surprise Andreas with it. Because he's horrible with stuff like this. This episode is our two-year anniversary. Really? Really, for two years, we've stood across from each other with goddamn Kel moments, with old man Andreas shit. Two years ago, we were talking the build-up to WrestleMania. We were talking Mayweather-Pacquiao build-up. And that's how we started the show. It was two weeks ago to this week. So happy two-year anniversary the Corner Podcast. Wow, that's for real. <laughs> Time <laughs> see, flies. I, I don't pay attention to anything, so I, I don't necessarily know what's going on, but... Yay, two years. That's impressive. Wow. Uh, if anybody's been listening for that long, uh, wow, you're crazy. But <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah, man. They, they didn't get us up out of here. That's good. I wasn't involved in any scandals. Um, you know, shout out to our man Taxstone on the network. Uh, we're here. We're here. Two years strong right now. Um, let's get into the show, though. I want to know how you felt about the Nicki Minaj response it's not a diss track, but what is it like a a dicks a diss verse on no frauds? Because I know you're you're not pessimist on everything, and I know you don't like it. Uh, oh. Yeah, you you absolutely right. I don't care for it, man. I mean, oh boy, uh, it was the opening. Like a lot of people got out my neck because I wrote this piece about Remy shooting herself in the foot by dropping another one, which I think she did. Like I don't care what anybody says. You drop an amazing track like Sheether and you follow it up with something mediocre, you get leave the door wide open for somebody to come at you. And that's exactly what Remy did on No Frauds, which is not necessarily a good song by any stretch of the imagination. It's just really her responding to keep a relevancy. And now she's got like Ariana Grande has her back. Like, it, this is so corny, dude. <laughs> this is like, like rap battles should never deal with um who's more popular or who has more celebrity friends it should just be about bars and that's it but nikki is taking it to this new plateau of yeah i got more friends than you and sold more records than you it's like nikki could rhyme i just don't understand why we're going this route and no frauds is just it's like trying to make a diss track a club joint it's not like drake when he dropped like back to back where people were singing it in the club or whatever like this is corny, man. I, I And I want this thing to end now. At first, I was intrigued. Now, I'm just like, can you please end this? It's it's too much. Now, the verse itself wasn't bad, though. But it I, wasn't good. It wasn't bad. Like, it would have been great if No Frauds was just Nicki Minaj. I needed three different verses of just her. Because Drake's verse was trash. I don't care what anyone says. That was a horrible Drake verse. And Lil Wayne's verse was trash. Probably his worst the past two years. Because he's been pretty good the past two years people just been sleeping on him this was a horrible verse it should have just been nikki make it an entire diss track still put it out as a single still would have sold 
Maybe you have Drake on the hook. But instead, she had one verse. She said some dope shit in that one verse. It's just not enough to overtake Sheether. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... Okay, so it wasn't bad. I, I guess in the context of the song itself, it was lame because I just didn't care for the song. Um, and I just kind of... I saw what she was aiming for, which was a pop culture response on a mainstream level to try to shame Remy with a with a big song but the song's not big um but yeah i mean she 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 had a few strikes here and there she landed a few jabs i just if you're gonna come at somebody come at them now with that being said you don't necessarily need three verses to make your point as jay-z who kind of annihilated everybody in one verse on takeover but you know in nikki's case if if remy just dropped seven minutes coming at you you need to go bar for bar coming back you know the landscape of female MCs is relatively small um, they're always going to be pitted against each other, so it's always going to leave them at a disadvantage. But if somebody's coming for your neck, you need to come right back with something strong. And, you know, kind of just talking about desperation is not necessarily the biggest comeback because Remy really ate your lunch with Sheetha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this kind of is getting close to even, though, uh, unless it's over. But if it's still going. You know, between the shitty Remy second track, Nikki's response wasn't bad. If Remy throws another shot, it's like, how much material do you have left? And Nikki, it seems like, has a ton left. Well, I don't know if Nikki has a ton left. You know, we, that's that's still yet to be seen. That's why I had a problem with another one is because all Remy had to do, it, I mean, it was literally the Falcons Patriots. It's like, stop going on offense. Play defense and protect the lead. That's what Remy needed to do against Nikki. Um, it's the same thing with the Warriors and the Cavs. Same thing with the Indians Cubs series. Like you have to play to protect what you have, because in in this sense, okay, you know, Keith Thurman, this is what you're saying. Hey, you're off no, the no, cards. No, no, just no. just it, run it, and protect the lead. This is what's different in in, in the Cavs in the Cavs series. The uh, the Cavs were still were attacking the Warriors. In the Danny Garcia Keith Thurman fight, Danny Garcia was still attacking Keith Thurman. Nikki hadn't attacked yet, so there's no reason like to kick somebody while she's down, which is essentially what Remy was trying to do, was unnecessary. Um, if with the Falcons winning against the Patriots and still throwing the ball instead of trying to run out the clock and kick a field goal on that one of the one of the worst possessions they had in the entire game, they allowed them to come back into the game. You allowed Nikki to have an opportunity to respond by dropping another one. Um, but because let, let's be honest, if she didn't drop another one, would Nikki have even responded? Would we even be having this conversation that this is a, a, an even battle? Like Remy would have had this. Uh, it would be a runaway. This would be like Nas dropping. I mean, Jay-Z dropping takeover and following it right after with Super Ugly. That would have hurt Jay-Z. He did it. He did Super Ugly after either, which was still kind of whack either way you look at it. Oh, but don't don't disrespect Super Ugly. Nah, Super Ugly wasn't that good, man. It, it was <laughs> a weak. It was a weak response. Let's be honest. I mean, compared to Takeover, and it's the it's the forgotten diss when it comes to Ether and it's a and shame. It is underrated. Yo, me and my boy AI got more in Carmen than just Ball and Ryman. Oh, I'm telling you, yo, that that whole joint just went bananas. He said some of the dirtiest diss track things you'll ever hear. And that's yeah, but why, because people bury it. They don't want like super grimy Jay Z. But I mean, you can be grimy, but there's also a, there's lines that you can't cross. And, <laughs> and people say, "Well, there's battle, and you don't." But you don't need to, 
Like, you buried Nas with the Searchlight publishing line. Like, you buried Nas in so many ways on TakeOver. The whole little, like, oh, the baby mama skeeted. Like, it's, it's unnecessary. It's, it's, it's <laughs> just unnecessary. It doesn't seat. add anything. That's so it's, dirty. <laughs> yeah, but it, it just comes off as lame, too. It's just like it was unnecessary. You didn't you didn't need it. You already kind of had the upper hand here. And in my opinion, and people were going to fight me to the day I die about this, I always thought that Ether was overrated. I felt like Ether was like if I like if we're if we're arguing right and I'm hitting you with facts like you're short or you're you you know your girl broke up with you because uh, you're broke and like if I'm hitting you with facts and you just come up with like ah fictional stuff you look like a camel and like that's what I felt like <laughs> now it's went like the childish route with Ether and I like I mean it was cool but I thought people was going crazy over it, but what when Jay was just hitting you with facts on Takeover like straight facts so like super ugly was just kind of like oh well you know let's let's kind of he, he kind of dipped to Nas's level and i just think it is unnecessary that being said remy was hitting nikki with facts and then nikki was just you know she kind of responded but i just i want this shit to end it's, it's corny <laughs> i'm always here for beef i'm here for the pettiness let's keep it going um talking about more pettiness this is something stemming from our conversation last week if you guys didn't listen um, we talked about putting your business on Facebook and social media and everything. There was one thing that I forgot to mention, um, and it carried on into this week. And I need to know where you stand on this. You you have this, you know, old man Andreas, OG wisdom. You bring that to the show. I did not know in 2017 that Dirty Mackin was still alive. When, when would it have ever ended? What? It should have ended in like early 2000s. There's no place for dirty macking. Everyone should just stand on their own two, use your own credentials to get girls. It's been a while since I've been in this position in which, you know, you put yourself, you know, kind of out of a relationship trying to court someone or maybe you have an interest in someone and someone else is courting them, so on and so forth. And even just looking around, like, you know, I'm kind of playing it low key, just working and all that. But even still, just hearing some of the stuff, even if it's perceived that I like someone or whatever may be going on, there's dudes like coming out of the woodwork to just be like, yo, but if I comment on someone's stuff, they're like, oh, you know, Kel Dansby? Oh, yeah. Well, I heard this, blah, blah, blah. Or, yo, just craziness. Like, yo, I heard he just did this. Or I heard he ain't doing what. Like, what do you mean? Like, it, it's so crazy. And guys are like, that's their pickup line. The past yeah. week and a half. I'm like, why are you talking about me to get girls? Because that's the name of the game for a lot of people. I mean, listen, man, it doesn't matter what year it is. The, the concept of, of hating has existed back with the cavemen. So <laughs> we're, not, we're not looking at a situation where, where men are automatically going to say, you know what, I'm going to shoot the fair one. They just don't do that. So if you're... If you have any notoriety, whether it be good or bad, people are going to use it against you. So people are going to question, you know, why did you why have you split up with such and such? Or um, if, if you're not around, they're going to ask why. Dude, it's happened to me all my life. Like people Listen, are going to people which is just all say good, that. But to benefit off of it or not even like to try, because I don't think it's getting them very far. But specifically. There's literally a specific, I want to say, this happened to me too, like two summers ago. But 
Currently, there is a dude who just can't keep my name out of his mouth. Like, at all. And to women. It's like, yo, what are you doing? I think, like, it, it just makes no sense to me. Where it's just like, oh, yeah, well, like, someone who could just be my friend at the time or whatever. Oh, what are you doing? Talking to Kel, blah, blah, blah. Oh, why are you talking to him? Uh, all this stuff. The dude... I'll give you a specific example. It got back to me. He literally said, why are you spending time or talking to him? All he does all day is sit in front of a computer at home. He was like, I got a job. I got a Lexus, blah, blah, blah. Why aren't you, you know, spending time with me? And I'm like, my man, you have no clue what girls want. And that's why you and your Lexus are going to have a very great relationship. Because like... What do you mean I sit in front of a computer all day? Like, I so happen to sit in front of a computer all day. But this is my job. And people don't understand it. And somehow you're still begging to be with a girl who I just have very friendly conversations with at the time. I am surprised that you are surprised. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thoroughly surprised. Like Yo, if I have a Lexus, I ain't talking about nobody. You know how happy I am when I get a Lexus? Some brand I mean, new wild shit? No, no one. Oh, I'd be so swaggy, you know? No one could tell me anything. I'm double parking like I'm in NYC. Like, everywhere I go. Just throwing that shit in park. Yo, leave the keys running. Ain't no one touching my Lexus. I'm valeting everywhere. Leave this in the front. I'm so dope if I have a Lexus. I, I would never speak another man's name. That's a damn shit. But that's what people do. I mean, and, and that's really what it is. You know, the, if somebody's going to criticize you for being in front of your computer all day. I mean, look, man, I've never talked about what I have. You know, and, you know, every once in a while, somebody will try me and I'll be like, all right, you need to check my resume before you step to me. Because <laughs> really, really, the, act, the credentials speak for themselves. But people are going to hate, man. Like, that's just what it is. And dudes are going to hate on you for what you do. And, and, and rather than get upset with it, just deal with it. I mean, unless you're going to fight somebody, what's the yeah, point? Yo, once again, I haven't had a fight since like the fifth grade. No That's one's tried to fight. We talked about this also on the podcast. But if I could not get arrested, this kid might have caught the fade. Just off, off site. And he looks like a nerd. I don't... There's a very specific type of person that hates on me, Andreas. It really bothers me. Like, it, it's... It's like six foot... One through six foot three husky black men that really hate on me. I you haven't have pegged down to a type. Yeah. Like to the point where it's just like, yo, what don't you like about me? Like, is it like I can't pinpoint it, but most of my haters are in that mold. And it's, I swear, like, only thing I thought it was this Joel's line was like, don't watch me watch TV. It's pay per view. Like, what do you think? Go do something with yourself. Stand on your own two merits. Dirty Mackin has to end. This is my campaign. 2017, we try to get Trump the hell out of here, and we're ending Dirty Mackin. That's the only yeah. two things we have to do in 2017, because it's just so much easier to talk about yourself to a woman and have her like that than to try to downplay me. All you're going to do is make the woman like me. Mm. Building the curiosity. He's selling, he's selling for me. I'm not even trying it's Yo. the most incredible shit. Dirty Mackin in 2017. It, it blew my mind. I had to bring it to the podcast. I sat on this shit for like a week. You are you are touched. 
<laughs> on the real, like for a week, this has been stewing that Dirty Mackin is still alive and well. Like I don't think this guy has any shame. Like he's bought my name up like five times, like on the realest of shit. And you it's just like, my man, you're by yourself every night. Like leave me alone. You are legit touched. <laughs> look, look, look. The the concept of Dirty Mackin is never going to end. You can campaign all you want about it, but as long as there's people with mouths, they're going to talk about you. We're getting you we're just, getting merch, man. We're getting merch this year, and one of them is ending Dirty Mackin. Create look, some type man, of clever hashtag. The hypocrisy of people wearing in Dirty Mac shirts who are Dirty Macking currently is <laughs> it will be outstanding, and it's just it's incomprehensible why it happens, but it does, and I, I just don't waste my time talking about it. So. I prefer to just ignore it because what's the point? Like, Buzz is they, everywhere, Andres. This shit's everywhere. We just saw Dirty Mac in the WWE. Yeah. Noam Dar just Dirty Mac'd his way into Alicia Fox. Led to my boy Cedric Alexander getting hurt and injured for five months. Dirty Mac yeah. is alive and well. We got to end this. Here's my question. And then we can move on to what people came to listen for <laughs> instead of Kel's you know, plight in relationships. Um, when has Dirty Mac ever worked? Yo, so I've never used Dirty Mackin, right? Just because I've never felt the need to put down anyone else. It's just against me. I don't like gossip. So I don't judge other people if someone does wild shit. There's plenty of people doing wild shit around me currently in life. I don't judge them. We all go through our stuff. We all make our own decisions. So I really don't Dirty Mac because what am I going to say? I've never cared enough to learn enough about another man. To have material to Dirty Mac, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I really got to know shit about you to do that. The, the, but the question is, when have you ever seen it work? That's it. That's all I'm asking. When have you ever seen it to the point where a woman or somebody says, you know what? Because you said that about that man, I'm going to be with you forever. Okay, when does it happen? That's the difference. I've never seen it work long term. I've seen some guys slide up in a bed or two. Offer of some dirty Mac and shit, and then like the woman comes to and it's just like, no, you're a clown. Exactly. So it could buy you a good week, week and a half of company. Why only while she's at her lowest. Like she's really just like heartbroken. She still wants the other dude, or she's you no know, had a crush on the other dude and you're dirty macking him. And all you think you're doing is taking his, you know, that filling that void for a second, and then she wakes up and be like, Oh, I need that guy. Yeah, so, so I feel like once you dirty Mac, the shit's like hopscotch. You got to dirty Mac with this chick and then hop and dirty Mac with this chick. And then Bob, and you just got to learn all about the guys that they really want. It It's a weird area of the friend zone. Somehow they they co- coincide. You have to be in the friend zone in order to properly learn about who she cares about so that you can then dirty Mac. Man, you need your own podcast for this. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, we got to break this shit down. People listen to this. They give me sound advice. My life is wild right now, so it's nice to bring it to the podcast. Um, let's switch topics, though, because we do have talk combat sports. Briefly, before we get full into the fight of the weekend, what the hell is happening with this weather? We're not um, in New York for a reason. Global warming. That's what's happening. And I'm, I'm glad because <laughs> in Vegas, it's what, 80 degrees, and in New York, it's like 20 in a blizzard. Like, I was considering going to Triple G Jacobs, but nope, no thanks. It's March. Who the hell has snow in March? East New Coast York? people explain this shit to me. It can't 
It can't be that dope to live on the East Coast. Listen, we grew up on the East Coast. We've been there. It can't be that dope. It ain't worth the snow in March. As an adult, I ain't doing it. I ain't paying double my rent and having snow and having to shovel out my car every morning. I can't do it. I don't even catch the subway. Everybody in New York got constructs on right now. Everybody's wearing tips. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, the weather's bad. So, you know, it is what it is. It, it caused for, like, the media workouts to be canceled with Triple G and Jacobs. It, it's caused a lot. And in New York, if you've never been to New York, you really don't understand how difficult it is to navigate um, you know, if you don't understand the subway, if you're traveling as an out of towner, so the snow just really doesn't help. Um, so I passed, you know, yeah, and it, quite, I, it, it kind of ruined a lot of the buzz around the fight. Yeah, it hurt it. I mean, the buzz is what it is. You know, it's, it's 49 other states that are not dealing with the nonsense that New York is dealing with. So, um, we'll see if it affects attendance, which I doubt people in New York, the blizzard's over. So the worst is done. So I figure they'll still show up. Uh, for this massive fight. Well, massive. It's a big fight. Triple G and Danny Jacobs, which we'll talk about. But, yeah, weather sucks, man. Weather sucks. I'm I'm just happy to be basking in the sunlight of Las Vegas, where it's 80 degrees. <laughs> Outside, you know, with a mojito in hand, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the fight itself is still going to be good. That That's one thing we can count on, is that it doesn't matter, you know, if there's half the building, full building, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter if they only sell 300,000 pay-per-views. I think we're in for one hell of a show. Looking at both of their records, uh, what, six total fights combined went to the judges between the two out of over 70 fights. Um, It's just perennial knockout artists, and and both of them have legit power. The only thing that separates them, but I mean, Triple G in my mind is the better fighter, but we have to see him against a test like this. But I've seen Jacobs be knocked out before. Yeah, Jacobs got knocked out by Pirog. I was was I there for that fight? I can't remember. Um, but you know, I remember what he was going through at the time. Correct. His grandmother had just passed. It was a lot of things going on, but he got knocked out. That's that's what it was. He got knocked out. This is a fight that everybody should watch, and I, I say it. And people keep saying that I'm you know crazy for it. But I look. I, I when I said it almost two years ago that I looked forward to this fight more than almost more than I did to Canelo and Triple G because I think that Danny Jacobs is a true middleweight and is almost a more polished fighter than Canelo in some aspects. I think Canelo's gotten a lot better, but this fight carries a ton of intrigue. It's two real middleweights who just knock people out, squaring off. And what Jacobs has done against uh, Peter Quillen and Sergio Moore in recent fights, it's only heightened the anticipation. You know, somebody's going to get knocked out. I don't see this thing going the distance. And I, I kind of figure that Jacobs is going to get knocked out. But it should be fun. Yeah, I have Jacobs getting knocked out. But you, it wouldn't surprise me to see him knock down Triple G. Triple G gets hit a lot. It would surprise me to see Triple G get knocked down because Triple G's never been knocked down. A lot and, of people have never been knocked down until they get knocked out. Yeah, but I don't think this will be the one. Um, I think I think Danny Jacobs, is a he's a he's a... He's a strong puncher. He's not necessarily a knockout artist. He doesn't have one-hit power. And neither does Triple G, for that matter. But there's a difference when you look at a guy like Triple G who has basically cement in his hands. So it's like... You tell Macklin he doesn't have one-hit power. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, people get knocked out with one punch. I mean, Floyd Mayweather's knocked out people with one punch. Hard to believe, but early in his career, that's what happened. But when you have somebody with cement in their hands and they will systematically and methodically wear you down with punches, that's where this is going to go. Because 
Gennady's not a guy who throws punches with power. He doesn't load up. If you watch him fight, the most fascinating thing about him is that he sits on his punches, but every punch hurts. Everybody that I've ever talked to that has fought Gennady Golovkin says the same thing. All of his punches hurt. It's not like he sets you up with a jab and throws the right hand and he throws a lot of power behind that right hand. The jab is like a pity pad punch. They all hurt. And when he goes to the body, that hurts. And I think that's where he's going to have a distinct advantage is that Jacobs has never dealt with somebody who throws with the kind of power that Gennady has. It's like a blunt instrument that you're getting hit with over and over and over again. And therein lies my issue with Danny Jacobs is he's not a great defensive fighter. So, you know, Triple G cutting off the ring is going to be it's going to be a problem for him. I think Danny's going to get his shots in. I just don't think he's going to be able to put Triple G down. Yeah, I mean, it have to take a well-timed punch to put him down. I still don't have, you know, him winning the fight. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Triple G puts a, a glove on the ground, something like that, gets a little quick count, and we rock from there. But I have Triple G finishing it. Um, quick official prediction, I'm going to say eighth round, TKO. Yeah, I'm going to say this is going to be a late stoppage, too. Like I said, I think it's going to be exciting for about four rounds. I think this is also interesting because I don't think Triple G is going to toy with his food before he eats it. I think for a lot of his fights, he goes in saying, eh, he's good, but I'm going to make this big drama show. Big drama show. I think he he comes in that with a lot of fights with that mentality, and he makes them more fun than they need to be. This, I don't think he's going to play around I don't think Abel Sanchez is going to allow him to play around in this fight. I think he's going to come and try to get the job done. And, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a methodical wearing down of Danny Jacobs. And with that being said, if Triple G wins this fight and dominates Danny Jacobs, um, then I think we're going to have to shut up. I think a lot of people are going to have to stop saying that he hasn't fought anybody and legitimately give this man his due as one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. You've been championing that, that cart for a while. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, first place I'm going is Glasses Malone's Twitter page, because you know Glasses just has it out for Triple G. <laughs> yeah, a lot, dude. A lot of people do, and I've said I made the same argument. You know, this is not a guy who's coming off the streets. He's an Olympic silver medalist who has never lost a fight, who nobody wants to fight for a reason. And you know, you know, people argue, well, he's slow, or he's this, or he's that, or he didn't look good against Kell Brook. Did he finish Kell Brook? Yes, he did. Or did he didn't look good against this guy? Did he finish him? Yes, he did. It's hard to criticize somebody who knocks everybody out, but people are gonna find a way to criticize. They're gonna find, oh well, you know, he got hit by Kell Brook. You know what? Floyd Mayweather got hit by Marcos Maidana multiple times. Does that take away from the fact that he's the greatest fighter of our generation? Absolutely not. Uh, people just need to cut it out. So if Triple G wins which I expect him to, look, he's got to be close to the top of the pound-for-pound pound list. Um, you know, if, if Andre Ward, Sergey Kovalev, and Chico uh, Chocolatito are in front of him, you know, I don't know if, if, if Gennady destroys Danny Jacobs, how you can keep him out of the top three. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to drop Kovalev, though. Uh, a man that I thought won the fight. Because that's who would have to drop out. Because <clears throat> technically, he lost. So... Um, you can't drop Andre Ward down, even though my two eyes said that Andre Ward lost. Um, I agree, though. Triple G would definitely have to be top five if he wins. You mentioned um, Roman Gonzalez, Chocolatito, co-main event. That's going to be always a good fight when he's involved. But is it time for him to move up? To me, he's run out of competition. I know he's tiny, but go up. Take the chance of taking a loss. 130 has a wealth of fighters that he can fight. 
it's just really a matter of his body can can make that that jump. Um, you know, and, and and I'll be honest, I don't know enough about Chocolatito's weight cut to really determine whether uh, a jump in weight class is, is necessary for him. Some guys, they just can't make the jump. Is it um, necessary for his pockets, though? Because once again, all you think you have to do is weigh under the limit. Yeah, but is it so necessary it's not like you can fight one. You can fight one thirty and come in at one twenty eight. It's tough, man. I mean, I'd like to see him go up, but you know, there's still some business. You know, people would like to see him fight Quadras. I mean, there's fights for him still available. Um, unfortunately, he's kind of in Mighty Mouse territory where he's recognized as the best pound for pound fighter, but uh, there aren't too many recognizable names for him to fight. I need to see him move up after this. Like, every, people do it at higher weights. I understand you might be the smaller guy. Test yourself. That's all that. Test. Test the skills. Um, before we take a quick break, we have to touch on David Lemieux knocking Stevens out last weekend. It was, I watched it on Twitter. I saw the highlights. I watched it a smooth 20 times because it was such a slick punch. Lemieux throws that right hand and there's a left. Stevens never sees it coming and he crumbles. Is that fighter, you think that holds up as knockout of the year? Man, we got a long way to go. It's a long way to go. I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm going to see anything like that. He put him under the ropes. No, it was pretty brutal. Stiff. I mean, it, 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 was, it was pretty brutal. But, yeah, we've got a long way to go for knockout of the year. Um, but it's definitely the front runner right now. It was the, the perfect one-punch knockout. He caught him right on the chin and put him right to sleep. Um, and, it, and, you know, it kind of speaks to, you know, David Lemieux is a power puncher with a lot of, you know, a lot of power in his hands. And he couldn't hurt uh, Gennady Golovkin. It speaks a lot to how good Golovkin is when you watch these two guys go in there. David Lemieux absolutely decimates Curtis Stevens, and Stevens then you look at what okay before then though. He did, but you look at that and you look at these are two guys who both got knocked out by Triple G, and Triple G had very little problems with either of them. Like he destroyed both of them. It's it's tough, man. But when it comes to knockout of the year, yes, yeah, front runner. I just it's it's dude. It's March. Like we've got <laughs> nine months to go. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to top that, though. Like, sometimes you just see something, you'd be like, yeah, that's going to stand up. Like, last year's Wrestle Kingdom matches. You're like, eh, it happened on January 4th, but these are probably going to be matches of the year. This KO was just like, yeah, I don't really see it going anywhere. We'll see, man. He we'll was see. starch clean. You know, if, if there's, I mean... There's a number of, of fights that can happen. There's a number of even higher profile fights that can end in, in a scintillating knockout that can change our perception of knockout of the year. So, only thing crazier gonna, is McGregor knocking out Floyd. Please don't. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, oh, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're talking about that though. We're gonna force you to talk more about McGregor versus Mayweather because it looks like it's happening and it's going to be the bane of your existence because you got to be in the building and there's gonna be a tent and a circus just like there was for the Pacquiao fight. Yeah, all right. I can hear the excitement in your voice. You guys stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. 
Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. If there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long long time so shout out to y'all all right we are back we're talking ufc we're not gonna torture andreas by talking just yet about mayweather versus mcgregor but we're gonna get to it um he's just trembling in anticipation for that conversation first we got to talk about vitor belfort takes another l is this the end for vitor no not yet um, it's coming. It's just not yet. Like, you know, it's it's interesting because Vitor has only lost two top guys. Um, and it's hard to tell somebody that they should retire when they're only losing two top competition. Kevin Gaslam is probably the worst fighter that he's lost to. But even then, Gaslam's unbeaten and ultimate fighter winner. And he's rolling and he's about to fight Anderson Silva. So I don't think it's time for him to retire yet. But we're, we're, it's getting close. It's getting very close. He loses another fight to a lower top 10 guy or, you know, just a lower end top 15 guy. Then it's time to call it a night. But granted, um, he's had a hell of a career. You know, TRT Belfort is amazing, like juiced up Miracle Crow Cop and various other iterations (laughs) of fighters. But, um, yeah, man, he's he lost and not too surprising that he lost to Gastelum. But we'll see what's left. Yeah, he can only keep getting knocked out so many times. Um. This is where I usually send fighters on their Bellator farewell tour. It doesn't seem as though he's going to leave the UFC, though. There's still that connection. Um, They still pay the best. So I'm sure he's going to stay there to collect the check. It's just, it's rough seeing him get just dominated now all the time. It's, to me, and he's still a top 10 fighter, so that tells you what the division is like. But I just, I don't see who he can fight. Because everyone underneath him are now up-and-comers. There's not too many old guys you throw him in there against and hope that he comes out clean with a victory. Well, I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, ultimately, you have to be a stepping stone. You know, if you're an old head, you're a name that a young fighter needs to put on their resume. It's kind of similar to what they're... I wouldn't say they're necessarily trying to do, but the Yair Rodriguez-Frankie Edgar fight this book for two... 12 yeah, 12 a, or 11 211 i think that's 211. one hell of a gatekeeper though right so it's but but you need those names on your resume for the general public to recognize so vitor belfort's a guy who he's a gatekeeper now um and if you look at the middleweight division you know he's maybe a fight for somebody like uriah hall who's trying to claw his way back into relevancy or even a Derek brunson or a talus latex or even a sam alvey um they're the middleweight division is thin as it is. So Vitor, you know, Vitor's farewell tour, he's pretty much fought everybody that there is to fight in the upper half of the middleweight division. 
Uh, he probably take another fight, and if he loses to, like I said, to a lower top fifteen guy, he's got to go. Time to go. The end of Vitor. Um, talking about the Belfort article, you touched on it. He's only lost to top tier guys. I said champions for the day at least have turned into the death row of MMA journalism. We are full Tupac Snoop. Like we got to put like the Suge Knight bandana on you. You got to let the, the baldy rock because all I see online in the MMA community are people just talking about the article where it says Vitor only lose to legend, loses to legends. And the only thing they point out is Kelvin Gaslam. Kelvin Gaslam. I was like, okay, he just lost to Gaslam. But look at the rest of the resume. Um, but for some reason, that like title has really just perked the ears of everyone. Um, Elias Theodoro retweeted it. And I don't know why he took offense to it all of a sudden. But that had got some traction, like 150 retweets or something crazy. We saw it earlier today. We are talking about it. It's funny to me how people are scared of something new. And one, it tells me, and you know, shout out to you guys, you know, the higher upset champions, something's going right. Because whenever you can drive conversation, you're doing your job. So for a publication that hasn't been around that long to drive conversation and get retweets from fighters and all this stuff and just garner an opinion one way or the other, something's going right. But I don't know how people can just automatically like, okay, well, this is a new site. Oh, well... They're not this site. They're not MMA fighting. They're not MMA junk. It's like, okay, we just like it's new. So you're scared because it's new? Like, damn, we're doing something right. Well, you know, MMA journalists is full of a bunch of cynics. And it's 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 interesting because, you know, my background even before combat sports is in music. So I dealt with the same thing coming from other websites. And my motto and not to get too much into this whole journalism thing, but my model with any site that I've ran as an editor, when it was Hip Hop DX or when it was Hip Hop site, even when I was at BC, my model has always been the competition is not your peers. Like I don't, I don't compete with the MMA fightings and the MMA junkies because they're established and they are who they are. When I was at Hip Hop DX, and and all hip hop was at the top of the food chain when it came to hip hop websites, my goal was to to beat all hip hop because once you beat them, then what? So. I've always looked at it as I wanted to be the ESPN of music journalism. I wanted to be the ESP. Like I wanted to be something bigger than just what my peers are. And with champions, what we're trying, we're not trying to be MMA fighting. We're not trying to uh, write a billion stories on, you know, for the diehard MMA fans. We're a little bit more fun and a little bit more loose in that, in that sense. And what we do, you know, when the writer pitched the Vitor idea, I was like, yeah. And I looked at it and I was like, well, he has lost to former champions. He has lost to guys who will probably be in the, in the Hall of Fame. People didn't like the title. And they, you know, they pointed out Gaston. People were like, well, Jacare's not a legend. Well, all right, fine. I mean, uh, you know, it's fucking good. But, but, but the point is, is that Vitor has lost to former champions. And maybe if we titled it former champions, they would have people would have said, well, that's fine. But. I'm not here to, to appease everybody and, and try to, you know, oh, I'm, I'm taking a v- offense to it. Look, Vitor Belfort has fought legends and he's lost to legends. And he's, and, you know, Kevin, Kelvin Gaslam is probably the, the most unaccomplished fighter, even though he's an ultimate fighter champion that is out there. You're going to be hard pressed to find somebody with the, the portfolio that Vitor Belfort has, like him or not. 
know, he did knock out Lou Rockhold, TRT Belfort or not. This is <laughs> this is who this man is. I mean, he has fought the elite. He fought Anderson Silva. He fought John Jones. He's fought, you know, uh, he's fought Jacare. And he's fought pretty much everybody that there is to fight. Weidman. Yeah, like people are getting their, their their panties in a bunch over it, you know, over the story. You know, it is what it is. Read the story first. That's a, my biggest problem with a lot of people is like, like they don't read. They look at the title and be like, ah, but there's a defense in there. You know, the writer Jack Sullivan did a good job defending himself, and he he didn't just say it. And then, um, and I'm going to note on this real quick, and then we can move on. The concept of clickbait is something that people truly do not understand. Clickbait is basically when some the title and the story don't match up. That's clickbait. Clickbait is not when you click on the story and you don't like the story. <laughs> That's not clickbait because Jack, what he did is he backed up every fighter that Vitor has lost with with their credentials. That's not clickbait. Y'all got to get this shit right. Clickbait, clickbait is if I say open this and find out how uh, John Jones cheated on his wife. And the article is about John Jones cheating in a fight like that's clickbait. People got to get that shit right. We're not clickbaiting you. We're, we're giving you something. If you want to disagree with the fine. I love it. I live for this stuff. <laughs> Even MMA, like, I love journalism beef. Uh, man, when, shout out, you know, to Jack who wrote it. Every, this is good. Like, maybe years of pro wrestling has warped my mind. But if I can back up what I do or what I write and people don't like it, and that's what drives a narrative or gets them talking. That's just as like fulfilling as when people love an article I wrote or something. Like if you're talking, it's I, I might be Roman Reigns. Who knows? As much as I hate the guy, I might be the journalism equivalent of Roman Reigns. Because people say goddamn it, Kel, all the time, and they can you know just shout that shit from the mountaintops and, and say I'm crazy for thinking this or writing this. But they're talking, so even the booze it means something. Like sometimes you just gotta be the heel. If you if you really feel it, you gotta really put it out there, and it, it's crazy just to hear your perspective on it. Like yo, okay, we're not chasing this site, we're not chasing that site, because I I don't think like the goal is to ever be like those sites, because that's where people like lose focus. But I tell you this much, like I, Ariel has eight straight awards for MMA Journalist of the Year. Yeah, that shit gotta stop. Like if if I have a goal, it's to win that award. And for no other reason that I want to be Brock Lesnar. I want to end the streak. So I don't care when it takes me, how long it takes me. Whoever ends that streak, it's going to be dope. And uh, why not? Well, why not? I mean, it, uh, along the process of things I want to accomplish, with there, which there are many, um, I wouldn't mind taking that off his hands. Well, here's here's my. I know we keep we're diving into journalism, but here's my thing: like the MMA awards are not legitimate, and. And I'm not saying this to discredit Ariel winning the award, but let's be honest here. It's, it's done by a magazine. It's not like an academy of people who are voting. It's a magazine who's doing a war show, like the Source Awards. They're not <laughs> legitimate. And it's, it, you know, it's fine that they have the awards. I'm glad that they, they exist, but I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, me, what I've come to find out in this world of journalism, whether it's music whether it's entertainment, combat sports, it's really, a, 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 there's a lot of boys clubs in these things. And, you know, like I'm in the Boxing Writers Association, which is cool. Um, I didn't submit, I, I completely space submitting for like article of the year and all that stuff. But uh, a quick story is, 
you know, several years ago, I applied to be part of the Boxing Writers Association and they denied me. And the reason why uh, wasn't a legitimate one. And I, I can't even remember what the reason was. It was, it, it was, it was something silly, and there was like a, it was, a, I want to say it was a fight, but there was a debate as to why one person didn't vote for me, and that person ended up voting for me now, and well, not even now. I've been in the Boxing Writers Association for several years now, but I didn't, I didn't need the Boxing Writers Association to legitimize what I do. Same with the MMA awards; is I don't need that to legitimize what I do. What legitimizes what I do is my bank account. And what legitimizes what I do is the success that I've seen from what I've done over the course of a decade and a half of being in journalism. I, and awards, awards are cool, but I, I don't need them, man. Like being recognized by your peers, like and, and again, you're AJ like Styles. The, you're the yeah, AJ like, Styles equivalent. You're just like, oh, my work speaks for myself. Yeah, but like I, never to take away from Arrow because I think personally that Ariel is an excellent journalist. That's some and good like, work. I like it. And I think like there's people that, you know, I've just found a lot of people talk about people having biases and stuff like that. Like some people don't like Dan Raphael. Some people don't like Kevin Ioli. Look, man, preference is, is cool. But again, I'm just not in here. I'm not here to appease everybody. There are going to be people who don't like what I write about or don't like what I do. Like my pop culture stories, my, my music stories, people, there's people that don't like what I do. And I'm not here for you. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to give you an alternate uh, perception on something. This is what I do. When when there's when there's a prevailing thought on a subject, I give you the curveball, and then you take that and either you agree with it or you disagree with it. But I, I'm here to kind of I rattle the cage. I, I shake things up, and then I move along with my day. But I'm not here to satisfy you. I'm here to satisfy my family and take care of what I do. This podcast is great. I love talking to y'all. Like I love love people that care about what I say. But whether it's one person or a thousand people or a million people listening, it's fine because my my bank account still stays the same. So I'm not really worried about you per se. So, you know, if you if you don't like it, if you don't if I don't win an award, it's okay. I'm good. I'm not stressing it. I want the gold. <laughs> like you know, it's it's cool, you know. Cranking out articles, it's like cranking out five star matches. But sooner or later, you want to rest, like headline WrestleMania. You you yeah. want to fight on the biggest stage. You want the gold. But every every award is delegitimized by what we do. So and it's like it's, WWE belts. Are we continuing well, the comparison? Well, think about it. Like we say, like everybody's holy grail in music is the Grammy, and we have delegitimized the Grammy awards over the years because the artists that we think are supposed to win don't win. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, when Kendrick Lamar didn't win a Grammy or when Kanye West didn't win the Grammy for Best Album of the Year or Beyonce, we have said that 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 award show is no longer legitimate. But that doesn't mean that person has lost their fan base. So so that that I don't think Kendrick Lamar needs a Grammy to legitimize himself, just like Jay-Z or Kanye or Nas or anybody else has needed that award to legitimize themselves. You know, we said the same thing about the Oscars until finally Moonlight won. We don't like Denzel is the greatest actor of our generation. I could care less what anybody says, but the man has only won one best actor award. So how much, how much weight do you put in really chasing the gold rather than putting in work and being recognized as a legend? Those awards don't mean that much at the end of the day. No, that's true. I just feel like it goes, if you ask Denzel, like, would you 
prefer to have the four Academy Awards that you've earned? Sure, he'd say yes. Of course um, you. You know, if, it's not going to kill him not to have them, obviously. But when you work hard, it, it all starts with the hard work and the quality of work and everything. At the end of the day, you kind of want to see that shit recognized. Like, you, you kind of want to be like, yo, I probably deserve this award. And, yeah. you know, politics come into play. I understand. Um, listen, we've been in journalism a long time. I understand. I can write, you know, same angle, same type of article as someone on a MMA junkie or MMA fighting or whatever your favorite site is. And people will look at it completely different because of the site that I write it for. Instead of taking my article and the words and the point at face value. I've had to go through that for years. And battle the misconception of, oh, you write here. So your work is this. Like, no, my work is dope. It doesn't matter where I write. But, you know, that's some of the bias that goes into it. That's some of uh, the things that go into, you know, winning awards. Who do you write for? Who do you know? So on and so forth. It's just sooner or later, you got to transcend that. And it'd be dope. Um, now if it ever happens probably not I don't know people probably have friends but if that streak ends it's going to be dope it's going to be legendary Um, now that we kind of ran through the gamut of journalism Mayweather ended his retirement let's burst your bubble let's get you going (laughs) Um, he officially ended the retirement now just in case you were wondering it's out there he is back and for one man and it's Conor McGregor Dana White went on um, Conan and talked about it. Since fight's going to happen, it, costs, it takes too much money. Andreas, you're going to see that fight. We're going to be there. We're going to be covering it. It's going to happen this year. It just is. How are we going to get there? What is it going to take for them to sit down and be like, okay, let's make it happen? Oh, boy. All right, where do we start? Uh, let's start with Floyd Mayweather announcing that he's coming out of retirement. All right. Um, to match Floyd Mayweather coming out of retirement, I just came out of retirement to go fishing. Who gives a shit? Floyd, coming out of retirement with no opponent doesn't matter. That's, that, that statement was a statement that meant absolutely nothing. I don't understand why people got so worked up over it. Because who cares? Like, if I say I'm coming out of retirement to play basketball, but I don't have a team that picks me up, I'm not out of retirement. I'm still fucking retired. <laughs> So Floyd Mayweather saying he came out of retirement is just him. What he's doing is he's trying to embarrass and shame the UFC into allowing this fight to happen. And whether it works or not is still yet to be seen. But, you know, even with the June 10th whole day to T-Mobile Arena, people freaked out like, oh, T-Mobile's held for June 10th. Look, dude, I can mention almost 12 different times arenas were held for Mayweather Pacquiao. It means nothing. It's a whole date. You go to the commission, you put in for a date, and you say, this is possible that this can happen. There's a whole day right now on June 17th for Kovalev Ward. Doesn't mean that the fight's going to happen. It just means that somebody's trying to make it happen. I guarantee you that Floyd Mayweather is the one who put in for June 10th. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. It doesn't mean anything's advanced because it only takes one promoter to put a hold on a date. That being said. Dana White is right. There's too much money left on the table for this fight not to happen. However, the problem is who's going to blink first? Because that's all we're, we're at right now. Somebody's got to blink. And I guarantee you it's not going to be Floyd Mayweather or no, Al Heyman or Showtime. So what's going to have to in order for this fight to happen, which I'm not very confident it happens this year. 
if it if it it does happen, it's going to require WMEIMG to step aside and take a payout because I've said it time and time again. The biggest hurdle for this fight is who is going to produce it. It's not really about the fighters. It's about the production of the fight and who carries that lion's share of the money. Because if you remember, like Mayweather Pacquiao took forever to happen, not just because of the fight, but because of the logistics. And you had to figure out who was going to air the replay. You had to figure out who the commentary teams were. And people were like, well, that's stupid. No, it's serious business. Who will be the commentary team for Mayweather McGregor? You think, the obviously, the UFC is going to want to have Joe Rogan. Showtime's going to want to have uh, Mauro Ranello. There's going to be a debate there. Who's going to air the replay? Who, where is the pay-per-view going to be produced? Is it going to be a Showtime pay-per-view? Is it going to be a UFC pay-per-view? These are the things, you should, all the boxes that you got to check. And WME is going to have to allow Showtime to produce this pay-per-view because it's a boxing match at the end of the day. Because now if you, if you drift into the territory of, well, let's put some MMA fights on the card, now you're running into a whole different logistical issue. Which means you, know, you have to have a cage and an octagon in the same arena for a fight. And people say, well, it happened in like Bellator. But it, it was a nightmare how it looked. This, dude, there's so much that's going into this fight. The best, if, if ideally the best route would be for WME IMG to step aside, accept money, and pay out McGregor, and then allow Anderson Silva to fight Roy Jones, and allow Nate Diaz to fight another boxer. And have a, a boxing card. That's the best route you can probably go. But uh, I, I'm just not, dude. I'm not sold on this yet. It, it's still chatter. Like they still got it. And Dana, who the fuck is Dana White? <laughs> Yo, he's he's the guy with the power to hold up the fight. That's not it. Really. Not really. Connor w- can't do shit without. Connor can't make the fight happen without Dana taking a step back. I make I, well, I, 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 the differ. If, if WME, if they say. Dana, shut the fuck up. This is what's going to happen. Dana has to shut the fuck up and let this thing happen. Yeah. So it's, mean, it's really Ari not Dana. has the power. <laughs> yeah. If, if Ari Emanuel steps up and says, I'm accepting this buyout from Showtime, you shut up and let this fight happen, it's going to happen. Oh, so and that, that only takes, what, 100 mil? Buck 50? To just buy him out, stand to the side, collect this check, be quiet? You know, it, but there's a lot of logistical things that happen here. Just because Dana White goes on TV, it's just like Conor McGregor going on TV and saying, "I want this fight to happen." You have no power. You have no leverage. You know, it's you know Manny Pacquiao saying he wants to fight Floyd Mayweather meant absolutely nothing because he has no leverage in negotiations. So Dana White saying it, yeah, well, he's got a little bit more leverage because he's the president, but it's really going to be up to. Uh, Ari Emanuel and WME to figure out how they want to handle this and how they want to go into negotiations with Showtime. That's it. Nah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, we got to wait and see how it plays out. But I, I think it happens. I'm almost positive the fight happens. And we'll be there. Now what to expect from the fight? Yeah, who knows? But I, I feel like it's going to happen and we're going to be front row like, yo, I can't believe this actually came to fruition. Because you laughed at it. I still ago. laugh at it. It's still a joke. <laughs> I like if the, dude, let, let's be clear. If the fight happens, it's still a joke. Uh, there, there's, there's no way that you can legitimize this fight by any stretch of the imagination. It's intriguing on a circus level, but that's about it. And I've been sitting here listening to people tell me that Connor has a chance. 
you can't tell that you can't I can't fathom a man who has never lost a boxing match losing to a man who has never fought in a boxing match. I just you can't I how? Like the only way the, the Nevada State Athletic Commission is gonna license this fight is because of the money. Because legitimately It's all McGregor, about the money. Yeah, but but from a professional standpoint, McGregor shouldn't be in this fight. He should have to fight somebody else. Now, I've talked to somebody who sparred with Conor McGregor, and he was very straight up with me. There is no way Conor McGregor wins that fight. Boxing, Conor McGregor needs to fight other people. He's never been in a boxing match. He doesn't even know how to pace himself for 12, 36. That's another question. How is this fight? Is this fight going to be a 12-round fight? No, there's no belt. No, it's going to be eight at max. Right. So, But how does Conor McGregor pace himself in a fight like this? It's eight rounds. It's it's an exhibition. It's it's glorified sparring. They just take off the headgear. It, dude, it's just, there's just a lot of it, and it's still a joke. Don't it, expect it, a KO. McGregor might land three punches. Um, he might, you know, land a big left hand. That everyone will go <gasps> until Floyd eats it because the gloves are ginormous and just, keeps dancing around them, and they're gonna dance around each other and collect a check. That's it. Just. Just, I mean, humor me for a minute. How does how does Conor McGregor land that left hand? Um, you want the the honest answer? Yeah, I think Floyd's a showman and he does his lean against the ropes and, and eats one. I think it'll be a similar fight from what we saw early on in the first um, Maidana fight, where anyone who's watched Floyd Mayweather knows that he let Maidana hit him until he was done playing games. Right, I mean that's that's how it lands. So so he built, he built interest for a round, round and a half, and then shuts the door. I mean, look, Floyd Mayweather's the, the thing about Floyd is people complain about his fights, and he had the fight that he had with Maidana, in my opinion, to either set up a rematch or to get people back interested in his fights because people were tired of watching him. If he gets your money in the Conor McGregor fight, just like he got your money in the Manny Pacquiao fight, don't expect it to be competitive. He's not going to give Conor that chance. There's no way that Conor lands that punch because he doesn't know how to mask a lead left hand. And it's like, it's like I'm not even a boxer, but it's like basic boxing science. Like, a lead left hand is a very disrespectful punch. Like, Floyd lands <laughs> a, a lead right hand, and it's very disrespectful because the punch that you should see coming. Conor will never land that left hand without masking it behind the jab and knowing how to properly set it up. His footwork's even bad. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, just, I mean, so so much of his game is using his kicks to mask it. He doesn't have kicks. It's dude. I have to worry about one thing. I have to worry about one thing. Is is this dude in his two hands? Floyd is worried about one thing for twenty years and has never lost a fight. You think he's gonna just all of a sudden have a brain fart against Conor McGregor? I don't think so. But, you know, y'all have fun with it, you know, and uh, we'll listen to Skip Bayless and everybody else talk about how Conor has a chance. And that's that's what y'all that's what it does. I'm not mad at Floyd for taking this check because I do it, too, because I think Floyd's happily retired. and They kept egging him on. And he was just like, y'all really want me to take two hundred million dollars for this? Like, this is easy work. I'll do it. It's still it's a joke. No matter how many ways you slice, it's a joke of a fight. No, I, I agree. Uh, but we're all going to be there. We're all going to watch it. So the joke is on us. Um, before we go to break real quick, we have UFC London coming up this weekend. Not much to talk about on the card, but we can make a quick prediction. Main event, Corey Anderson versus Jimmy Manoa. Who do you have winning? I'm picking Jimmy Manoa. Um, 
but yeah, this card just does not carry a ton of intrigue. The only, I mean, Alan Jabin and Gunnar Nelson is the most intriguing fight. This is just a card that's going to happen, and it's good for the people in London and everything else. I don't care about. Yeah, uh, we have Joe Duffy actually returning too, which is um, interesting. I want to see that. And if I feel like inviting in Fight Pass, I shall watch it, investing in it. Because yeah, I mean, they don't. I pay ten ninety nine, nine ninety nine for a lot of stuff every month. UFC is kind of breaking me with that. Um, when we come back from the break, though, we're going to talk WWE, and we're going to you know give the people a little bit of our experience at ROH last week. Not much to speak about in wrestling, but we'll make it exciting. Stay tuned right after the break. All right, everybody, before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online, and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping? By, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. All right, we are back as promised. We, last weekend, we went to ROH, 15th anniversary show. We were treated to an amazing match. Las Vegas street fight between the Bucks, the Hardys, and RPG, who actually did their thing. And I can't stand Rapunky Vice. But they took a lot of the tough bumps and a lot of the tough spots. Um, it, it was a fun match. Thumbtacks. It was a super kick with the thumbtacks in the mouth. There was... A little bit of everything. Jeff Hardy flying off of the ladder. Everything we expected, we got uh, in that match delivered. We saw Christopher Daniels finally win the title um, at the end over Adam Cole, which I expect him to drop quickly, probably a super card of honor. And all in all, top to bottom, it was a pretty pretty exciting day. What was your favorite match? I mean, yeah, the Bucks, Hardys, and Rapungi Vice. I thought uh, Jay Lethal and Bobby Fish extremely underrated. That was a great match. But um, dude, for the for the sheer uh, ridiculousness of it all, to to watch uh, Trent take thumbtacks to the mouth, the bumps that he took in that match, like he was like the MVP, like you the MVP, like he got his ass kicked. Um, but it was just it was fun, man. I mean, ROH for a card that we went into with not high expectations, we looked at it and was just like, this is the weakest anniversary card that we've seen in Las Vegas. This one delivered. On a number of levels. I mean, with the exception of the Dalton Castle and the boys against the Kingdom match, which ended, unfortunately, when uh, uh, TK Orion ended up breaking his ankle on the guardrail. Which oh, was which I've finally spot. seen the replay on. Oh, that was disgusting. Yeah, but this card delivered. Uh, the payoff with Christopher Daniels and you know Frankie Kazarian basically revealing that he was more or less a mole and 
in the Bullet Club to help Daniels get his title shot. Fan, that was great. It was it was everything was really well done. Um, and ROH continues to be a great independent promotion. You know, I love what they do, the talent that they have, and the wrestling. You know, I got to see my man Marty Skrull, one of my favorite wrestlers right now. Uh, him and Leo Rich had, had a great match. So ultimately, Ring of Honor delivered again with their anniversary show. I'm not too sure if Christopher Daniels drops his title of Supercard of Honor because Supercard of Honor is not on pay-per-view. So I don't necessarily think that Daniels will lose the title off television. I think people are going to actually see it when he loses the title. Oh, that's crazy then. So he has a nice little run. Um, we have been being teased online with Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega Beef. Might be something to look forward to this summer in uh, New Japan because we know the talent share is there at the end of the Bullet Club. We might see you know the Young Bucks split off and just rock with the elite. Yeah, I mean, they teased it, you know, I, I mentioned a while back at the uh, New Beginning in Osaka, I believe, at the end of the show. Correct. Uh, you know, a lot of people turn it off when people get on the mic at the end of the show, because it's usually in Japanese and people don't know what the hell they're talking about. But at the end of this particular show, it was Kenny Omega and Adam Cole, and they both were talking about having the best 2017. And there was a little slight rift there, and I noted that. And I was telling people, I talked about it in the chat, and I was telling people, like, you need to watch this because they're planting seeds for a potential some dissension in the Bullet Club. And it seems to have played out because of the TV tapings in Vegas. Uh, Adam Cole fired the Young Bucks from the Bullet Club, which he kind of reneged on and tried to call them back. And then Kenny Omega played it even further out on Twitter by saying that he was DMing Adam Cole. So it looks like there's some dissension in the ranks. And, and Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, I'm here for it. We haven't seen Kenny Omega in ROH or the name even spoken in quite some time. So there, there's something there. We can see the Bullet Clubs be splitting off in 2017. Um, the elite are a thing, uh, you know, but the, also the super click was a thing with the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to play out into some great matches. And that's all we really care about, right? A great feud, great matches. Um, independent wrestling's alive and well. The WWE hasn't raided everyone, contrary to popular belief. And there's still some really good, really good pairings out there. So New Japan, ROH, still plenty of reason to watch all of those if you guys can. Um, WWE this week, to me, it was just a, a placeholder. It didn't really further anything for me as far as WrestleMania is concerned. One conversation we were having, though, is because I was writing an article for Champions. And it's the top 10 WrestleMania performances of all time. And... Immediately, I wrote the article. I was like, yo, that was tough. And I knew you weren't going to agree with me on some stuff. I just know it because we don't agree on much. And the sticking point really came down to, well, first off, Shawn Michaels is my number one WrestleMania performer of all time. So I, we have not spoken anyone has a problem with that yet, but I know a lot of people do. Taker is number two for me. So that's how the list plays out. Um, but it pretty much came down to towards the end of the list. Do I put in Kurt Angle or Triple H in the top 10 WrestleMania performers all time? And I went Triple H. And, and to me, it wasn't close. As we're talking about full performances, he has the entrances. He has the, the feuds. He has 20 WrestleMania appearances compared to Kurt Angle's eight. And then you add in the Taker match, the HBK match. There's so many good Triple H moments that, yeah, there were some duds. But there were some really good ones. Him, Daniel Bryan. He, he's done his thing. So I can't front on Triple H. He deserves a spot in my top 10. Yeah. See, I beg to differ. And 
it's one of those things where I understand the the logic behind including Triple H because he's been in tw- 20 WrestleManias. When it comes down to performances, I have a hard time keeping Kurt Angle out. Um, and the reason being is that, yes, Triple H and Undertaker had – there were three matches. I mean, people always forget about one of them um, when Undertaker was the American badass. But the Undertaker matches and the Daniel Bryan match are the three – Triple H matches from WrestleMania. It's three out of 20. Now, the other one that people include is obviously HBK and Chris Benoit. So there's four. But I can't name a WrestleMania match where Triple H kind of led the dance. Um, The closest would probably be the Undertaker match. Other than that, you know, the reason why we cared so much about the Daniel Bryan match was because of Daniel Bryan. The reason why we cared about the HBK-Chris Benoit match was because of HBK and Chris Benoit. When Triple H is left to his own devices, his WrestleMania matches are relatively lame. Um, he ends up hogging the spotlight, and it's like a nepotism thing where he is constantly putting himself in these positions to where he should succeed. But he, for, for me, at least, he's failed more often than not. But you look at uh, Randy Orton, Triple H. Triple H should have put Randy Orton over that night, even though Orton was the heel, but he won. Triple H versus Roman Reigns, which was basically a walkout match at this last WrestleMania. Nobody cared about the Triple H John Cena matches. Yeah, they happened, but who cares? Kurt Angle, on the other hand, has only had one WrestleMania match that I was like, eh, and that was against Kane. Other than that, you look at the Shawn Michaels match, which is considered one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. You look at the Brock Lesnar match, which is considered one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Look at the Eddie Guerrero match which is considered one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Very it's, good matches. Which are, but they, And all of them, in terms of, of performances, would put Kurt Angle over as a better performer. But I get it. Triple H has the better entrance. P- Triple H has the better feud. Like, dude, there was a, a Triple H... I mean, there was a Kurt Angle-Chris Benoit match at WrestleMania 17 that had literally no build. And it, it was one of the best matches of the night, but it had nothing. Kurt has been able to do a lot with a little in the short amount of time that he's had. And for that reason, like percentage-wise, Kurt Angle's had a better string of performances. I, but I get it. Y'all want to argue Triple H because he's had these moments. But, dude, there are so many duds. It's, it's, it's almost the same reason why I have a hard time putting Undertaker in number two, even though I, I can now because of these last string of performances. But, yo, Undertaker's first half of his WrestleMania career was terrible yeah well yeah they had him fighting like whoever was just big well i mean look he had he had he had a decent match with jake the snake he had the giant gonzalez which was horrible his big boss man match was terrible his match with uh who was on his team it was like a handicap match i can't remember who it was um but he's, he's had some duds man and then it wasn't until the Shawn Michaels run, well, no, I'm sorry, let me take that back. He had a great match with Batiste, he had a great match with Edge, and then he had the Shawn Michaels, and then, like, his last string of WrestleMania performance was all great. Because Brock Lesnar match sucked. Horrible. You know, granted, that granted was the, the... One of his the worst shot, ever. Yeah, even the Bray Wyatt match was like, nah, whatever. But I get it. But it's like, to me, so, like, you have to perform, and I think, like, when you look at performances, I always look at Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, who I think had one of the most underrated runs in WrestleMania of all time between the, the what is considered the greatest match or 1A and 1B with Shawn Michaels Undertaker against Steamboat that was WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania 4 was him winning the title in the tournament. WrestleMania 5 was probably one of the best built feuds heading into a WrestleMania with against Hulk Hogan. WrestleMania 6 was the retirement match with Ultimate Warrior. And then WrestleMania 7 was against Ric Flair. 
dude, who had a better run than that in back-to-back WrestleManias than Macho Man Randy Savage? It's it's, it's kind of hard to argue, but I get it. Undertaker, but leaving Kurt Angle off, it's tough, man. I, I have a hard time leaving him off, but I, I, I get what you people are saying when you talk about everything else. His in-ring work has just never done it for me, ever. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue the caliber of wrestlers, right? Because Angle's a better wrestler. But WrestleMania performances alone, it's hard to keep Triple H out. And this year, him versus Rollins actually has some potential. Yeah, but they, that's my problem. They all do. And then the in-ring product happens and people kind of like shrug their shoulders. Like Triple H and Roman Reigns had a decent build and Triple H was kind of over. But that match, who cares? Like Triple H against Jericho. Triple H, like, damn, I almost forgot about that. Triple H against Jericho in Toronto when Austin, I mean not Austin, when Rock and Hogan happened. That should have been the main event. But I feel like Triple H and, and his, his, his power, he puts himself in these positions where he succeeds. And more often than not, he fails. Like, you, you have a hard time really remembering Triple H matches. Yeah, I mean, Triple H and Sting was bad. Like, that, like, it was bad in the sense of a match. It was bad, but it had great moments. Like, Triple H is great at entrances. And I, you know, how many people really remember entrances at WrestleMania other than, like, HBK sliding down from the ceiling or an Undertaker entrance? But, dude, I remember matches. And it's like, I never go back and watch a Triple H match. But I've gone back and I've watched Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. And not because of the shooting star botch. It's because it was a great match. And Kurt Angle just put on, he puts on great matches. Yeah, that's when Lesnar almost died though, right? Yeah, Lesnar almost killed himself. But up until that <laughs> point, it was, it was a phenomenal match up until that point. And then Lesnar killed himself. And nobody to this day can figure out how Lesnar landed on his head, got up and still managed to F5 Kurt Angle. Nobody will figure that out. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a crazy debate. Lesnar is definitely not on my list. Um, you guys will have to tune in, you know, check that out on Champions when it drops and let us know who you think would be on your top 10 of all time. Um, moving through, like I said, not too much to talk about in WWE this week. Uh, Owens Jericho still has the best build so far, in my opinion. Uh, Styles attack Shane, officially starting their push towards WrestleMania, throw him through the windshield. Still not sure what to expect from that match. Are you hype about anything? Was there anything new to come out of WWE this week for you? No. Um, I mean, you know, we got the formal announcement about Roman Reigns and Undertaker, which we knew was happening. Um, we got the formal announcement of John Cena and Nikki versus Miz and Marius, which we knew was happening. And AJ and Shane, which was interesting. Like, if you watch SmackDown, they literally ran out of time for Shane to make that announcement. Like, I thought I was going to have to turn to talk and smack to see that announcement. And Shane, like, said it after he got his head thrown through the windshield. And if you watch it, like, his eyes swell. He looks bad. Um, <laughs> but they made the announcement. But, yeah, this week, I mean, they advanced a few things. We got Triple H and Seth Rollins, which we now know is definitely going to happen. Um, but my there's, I have concern for two things. Braun Strowman doesn't have a match, and neither does Samoa Joe. And we're two weeks away from WrestleMania. Yeah, something has to give. Like Strowman will have to interfere, or Samoa Joe have to win the Battle Royal. Something big still has to happen. Or maybe they just I, use the Andre the Giant Battle Royal to set up a feud, like their next feuds. Who knows? Ugh. Like I just feel like Samoa Joe, to bring him in and not put him into a prominent feud for WrestleMania is a waste. They could have waited till after WrestleMania. They brought him in to injure Seth Rollins, and I really don't know what their plan was after that because they really have nothing in motion for him for WrestleMania. And when you look at Braun Strowman, it's almost the same. To put him in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal is kind of like... 
well, did, you wasted all this energy making him look like this unbeatable heel, and now you're going to put him in this this battle world that Mojo Rawley's in? I don't get it. <laughs> Listen, do not speak down on the name of Mojo Rawley. And when you speak Mojo's name, you got to speak it with hypeness, please. It's trash. Come Just on. letting you know, Mojo Rawley's here to stay. Um, but, yeah, there wasn't a good plan in place because you had to fit the t- Undertaker in. It should have been a triple threat. Um, with a stipulation or something. That would have been dope. Um, instead, Strowman has nothing to do. He can interfere in that match. Or, you know, unfortunately, the Battle Royal needs some people in it with some legitimacy. And he could bring that there. Him or Samoa Joe. Um, I think Joe. I think they've built Joe right. I like the Destroyer role. Um, they're hinting at him and Kevin Owens pairing with Triple H. So maybe we get a dope faction out of it. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, if, if we put Samoa Joe in the Battle Royal, it's an over-the-top Battle Royal. It doesn't really... Like, Battle Royals are used to protect a lot of guys that can't really wrestle. And Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman, who... Samoa Joe especially, if Strowman can wrestle. Um, Strowman winning the Battle Royal, I just don't know what it does for him. You know, I feel like that... that He's in limbo. Battle, that Battle Royal is actually should be used to propel a new talent. You know, it kind of it helped when Cesaro threw Andre. I mean, the Big Show over the top. You know, when Baron Corbin won, it was kind of like his arrival to the main roster. Braun Strowman's already arrived. It's kind of so Mojo has as well. So why put them in? Have them if they're both involved in this, I'll be disgusted because that means one of them has to lose. Yeah. So they just gotta figure it out, man. It's this, again. I've, I'll say it every week. This is the worst allocation of resources that we've ever had in a WrestleMania. You have the best talent that you've probably ever had since WrestleMania 17 or 15, and they're all in like views that I just don't get. And you know, Cena should be wrestling the Undertaker. Like I think we should rebook WrestleMania next week on the show. Let's do it. I, I think that'd be great. Um, yeah, let's make it happen. We rebook the whole thing right now. Without looking at our rundown, how many matches would you say there are confirmed for WrestleMania? Ten? Fourteen. Mm. Whew. All right. <laughs> We're gonna have a, this is gonna be a long van. It's somebody all right. I'm glad I'm be at your crib. So <laughs> this means that I'm curious what gets relegated to the pre show. American Alpha and the Usos would probably definitely be on the pre-show. Oh, didn't even count that yet. That would put it at 15 matches. Jesus Christ. So um, that's that's a pre-show match. The SmackDown women's title, probably yeah, on the pre-show. But they can't put all the SmackDown stuff on a pre-show because then it'll no, look they, like they're favoring. No, they won't. They won't. I mean, because you'll still have Ambrose Corbin. You'll still have Styles. You'll still have Cena. Um, but I think, well, yeah, you're right. You can't, can't really put two SmackDown titles. But I think the Raw yeah, but I, I don't know because I feel like the Raw tag titles are probably in. No, no, you can't really do that because Enzo and Cass are so over. I can't see them being on the pre-show. Um, wow. The Battle Royal might end up on the pre-show. I would think so, but not if you have a guy like Baron Corbin and you want to showcase him. You know what's so. weird? It's like you have a pre-show, but is it really a pre-show for WrestleMania? No, or you got to watch it because it has like it? legit-ass matches. Well, like to even call it a pre-show is almost silly because it's it's still the show, right? Like yeah. what what changes except for maybe you move the announcers? Other mm-hmm. than that, it's still the same WrestleMania. It's just I mean, there's a know, lot more talking. God, I just ah, dude, I don't know. 
15 matches? You know how many matches minutes. are not going to get the time that they need? Um, well, there's six hours. So even with that, you're, you're looking pretty strong on time. That's well, so, 30, okay. that's, you're, you're roughly around 20 minutes so you say, match all right. without you know, the pageantry and the stupidness. So you have Lesnar and Goldberg. Five minutes max. Ten. I'll give it ten. They have to go ten. Good luck. No, the the promo package before will make it ten if you count that. No, I think the match itself has to be ten minutes. Like you cannot close the show with a five minute match. It's going to be a squash match, but okay. Um, just I don't think you can go that route. I think you you will cause mutiny. You are going to be extremely disappointed when you see a three minute squash match. But okay, I just I don't see the purpose in that. I don't like. I think you ruin everything that you even attempted to try to build. Like you, I mean, the WWE is painting themselves in a corner with this match. The, you know, if Goldberg can't work longer than five minutes and he gets squashed by Lesnar, then why? What did we just do for WrestleMania? What was the point of even having this match? They already sold because, the tickets. <laughs> like at that point, you'd be mad if you won. You already bought your tickets. I mean, but the the tickets were already sold before a match was even announced. So that's that's not I'm, necessarily. I'm just saying, pay per view. Every people are going to watch regardless um, and leave upset. Well, I, I think this match should go at least 10 minutes, but um, we'll see. But yeah, so far the matches, so we can throw in the Usos if you want. Um, so Usos versus American Alpha. We have Alexa Bliss versus the entire women's division. We have um, Ambrose versus Corbin. Raw tag team triple threat. Cena and Bella versus Miz and Maurice. Neville versus Aries. Owens versus Jericho. Andre Giant Battle Royal. AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon, Raw Women's Title Triple Threat. Maybe it's a four-way. Um, Wyatt versus Orton, Triple H versus Rollins, Undertaker versus Reigns, and Goldberg versus Lesnar. Ooh, you know, all right. Stacked. I think, it's actually um, a decent card when you run it down. It's still a horrible allocation of talent because we don't get a Sami Zayn, we don't get a Samoa Joe, we don't get a Braun Strowman. But it's still a strong card. Well, this the one thing I have to say is that somebody's going to lose out on this, and with the, with the card so loaded with so many marquee matches, either if if Jericho and Owens don't get the time they deserve, and they get put on really early in this card, I'm going to be disgusted, and I'm just going to put it like that because if I. Obviously, your two title matches are going to get precedence over just about everything else. And your Roman Reigns Undertaker match is going to have to take time. And your, your AJ Styles um, Shane McMahon match should get a decent amount of attention. And obviously, Cena and Miz should get a solid amount of attention. But Owens and Jericho have had the best build. So it's like, if this match is only 15 minutes, that'll be sad. Like they, these, that's why I wish this was in the title, because they could put on the show. Yeah, but now you put on you, like to have this Goldberg Lesnar match as a title match as your final match, and knowing it can't go longer than five to ten minutes, you, you paint yourselves in a corner, man. It's like you don't want people leaving booing. You don't want that. I mean, I might bet the under on three minutes. I, I can't see you closing a WrestleMania with a squash match. I just, it's never happened. <laughs> it's the first time for everything. Um, but nah, yeah, so next week we'll rebook it. We'll take all the talent, put everything together, put matches together, and book our own WrestleMania with the talent that's there. And we'll lay out both our WrestleManias, we'll put them in order, and we'll see what people think. Yep. Alright, well that sounds good. That's our wrestling for today. We actually gotta run, because we gotta do work. Um, 
Thank you guys for listening. Next week, more show. We'll recap Triple G. We'll have our WrestleMania rebooking. Um, UFC, we'll do a recap. And we'll start building towards UFC 210. That's in a couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll have some news as well. Any breaking news we'll discuss. You can find us on social media, at The Corner LSN on all platforms. I'm at Kel Dansby on everything. He's at Andreas Hale on everything. That's the roundup of the show. Until next week, thank you for listening. We're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.